Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hello, welcome to the Arts Hour. This is Larry Morris. I'm with the Mississippi Arts Commission. And each week at this time on MPB, we come to you with a different interview with a creative Mississippian. Uh, we talk to artists, we talk to musicians, photographers, craftspeople, people that help promote the arts in their community. Today, we're going to be talking with Spencer Thomas. He's a singer-songwriter based in Jackson. Spencer, welcome. Thank you very much. Well, now, you, uh, we brought you in. You've got a, a, a recent uh, album that's just come out in the last six months or so yeah. uh, called Hangin' Tough. It's mm-hmm. really, really great collection of uh, your original music. Um, and we're going to be hearing some of that uh, later on. But if people aren't familiar with you, just give us just an, a thumbnail kind of of uh, what you do as, as a musician. Yeah. Um, okay. So Hanging Tough came out June the 14th. Um, and it is my first solo record. I've been writing songs for about 10 years. Um, uh, mostly, I would say, known for uh, writing and collaborating a lot with my friends Zach and Dylan Lovett of Young Valley. Um and this was a collection of tunes uh, that I just put together on the back burner and then one day decided I had close to enough songs to book studio dates and make a record. Um, it's, you know, it, it blends some, there's some acoustic guitar, finger-picking folk-style stuff. There are some uh, piano ballads. Um, there's some straight rock and roll numbers. Uh, I've... What I love about it is it's it has a theme, but it's kind of hard to pigeonhole. Um, and uh, that's all I got about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. And and I think people that are fans of kind of um, maybe the classic era of the singer-songwriter, mm-hmm. like in the 70s and 80s, like uh, thinking about people like uh, Bruce Springsteen mm-hmm. and Jackson Brown and these other kind of... Um, People talking about their lives and their in their songwriting and kind of uh, a, a sparse kind of straight ahead arrangements in yeah. terms of how you present things. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very inviting record for a lot of rock and folk fans who who, who kind of maybe come out of that era. Um, so that kind of leads me to kind of your background in terms of when you first were growing up. Kind of like the was this were those kind of music was that music that was in your household growing up or did you find it yourself or how did how did that 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 kind of world because you're a younger guy and mm-hmm. a lot of people now are all about beats and and electronic stuff and this yeah. is a very uh, acoustic record yeah um well growing up in my household it was like my mom was all about uh, uh i guess it was like 105.1 which maybe that was at the time, I don't know if it still is, but it was a lot of uh, Motown and a lot of um, older classic things. I mean, I remember running errands with my mom and listening to, um, you know, Aretha Franklin and Otis Redding and things like that. You know, so really just straight hit catchy tunes. And yeah. so I think those were always sort of blended in my brain. And then with my dad, it was a lot of um, Crosby, Stills and Nash, and of course, like I remember specifically like. Me and my sister growing up on um, on uh, Tom Petty's Full Moon Fever, you know, and just and was so immersed into that as a child. Um, 
My dad also loved like The Doors and Neil Young and, and Springsteen as well. Um, Jackson Brown was a big one for him. And so all of those um, definitely without me even knowing that I was someone who liked to write songs and was a songwriter uh, in my heart, um, before I knew any of those things, it was uh, it was just kind of ingrained. Yeah. Was anyone in your family, either parents or extended family, musicians? No. Uh, I mean, my grandfather played the saxophone <laughs> when he was in school. Um, and, and he, you know, and he sings and, and my dad sang in the choir, but I, I wouldn't say that uh, anybody was really uh, an active um, musician. You didn't have any examples of older relatives or that. So so when did you kind of pick up the the idea, like, hey, this is something I want to try out? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I started playing the tuba in the, <laughs> in the sixth grade. Everybody laughs, but, you know, I guess it was more maybe, uh, I don't know, I didn't really have much, like, I was kind of a overweight kid. I was really into video games, and, you know, I played basketball, uh, but it was like I kind of started playing the tuba, and and I realized I got kind of good at, at playing music. I was I, I excelled uh, in that, and uh, somewhere around eighth grade, uh, I started learning the drum set, and uh, then sort of everything came together after that, and it was like all at once I just had a moment where I went, you know, if I could spend as much time with music as I do sitting on a beanbag chair and playing video games, I could probably have something that would be, you know, worth showing people and a skill that I could continue to cultivate. So from then on, I mean, I, I pretty much let go of of video games and other distractions. I thought I was, when I was younger, I was playing basketball. I thought I wanted to be in the NBA. And I was like, you know what? Musicians, it's a, it's a, it's a slim chance as it is, but it's definitely a lot uh, easier of a market than uh, being on a professional basketball team. <laughs> so that was my middle school logic. <laughs> what was that? So was it a self-taught thing? Did you take lessons in these instruments, or how did you kind of, uh, how did you move from beginner into being proficient? Um, it was it was mostly self-taught. Uh, you know, learning, hearing songs, learning, picking up tabs online uh, for guitar. And, um, and you know, just I had a cheap keyboard that somebody uh, let me borrow. And so I would, you know, sit on my bed and tap around on that. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't really, the only lessons that I really took was uh, in college when I went to Delta State. Um after jumping around a little bit, I became a voice major, and I wasn't—I didn't sing uh, a song with a guitar in front of people until my freshman year of college, until I was 18 years old. Uh, that was the first time I played in front of an audience and sang a song. Um, and so, but I, I took vocal lessons from a friend, and then when I became a voice major, I took lessons under. Um, a professor there, Dr. Chad Payton. He he doesn't uh, teach there anymore. Um, but I also took some applied piano classes, which helped me 
um, learn more piano theory and and uh, develop some technique. Uh, I feel like I'm jumping all over no, the timeline here. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Um, uh, we're talking. This is the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey. Our guest today is Spencer Thomas. He's got a new uh, album out called Hangin' Tough. It's uh, his original music. Uh, you and um, the thing I was interested in also is you know um, you kind of started out I guess more pro- I, I, correct me if I'm wring like mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of your first maybe instrument kind of in a group setting was drums or are you am I hmm. getting that off or you, you seem I, a lot of people that are in kind of the rock world you know like they're a drummer yeah. they're a guitarist yeah. they're a bass player but I don't it doesn't seem like you've ever adhered to that kind of yeah. division yeah I've had I've had a hard time putting myself into a you know it's like um there's this was funny. Uh, uh, my my friend uh, Gr passed me this uh, little quote that he was recording, and um, with Pete, we'll get to him later. And he said that a quote that was on the organ that he played is, uh, "Whatever instrument I'm playing is my favorite instrument." You know, and I always, and I heard that, and I really resonated with it um, because I love all of those things separately. Um, but have never really been able to say, like, I want to, you know, sit there with an acoustic guitar and be the best guitar player ever, or, you know, or I really want to strive to be, you know, the best drummer around. It was all kind of like what I was feeling, what I could contribute to other people, um, as well as just, you know, what I what I felt creatively. Um, so it was really... Yeah, I've I've tried on many different hats, and I and I feel like I I think those will just kind of continue to change around over time. <laughs> yeah. Um, looking at your bio, kind of one of the I guess one of the kind of crucial turns in it is when you met the Lovett brothers, mm-hmm. who who you've collaborated with for many years. Yeah. And I I saw in one of the articles I, I thought well you know band people meet people at gigs or whatever but yeah. it said that y'all met at Actors Playhouse yeah. which is a, a pretty well regarded community theater yeah. uh house in in Pearl where a lot of amateur and young people do shows so how yeah. did tell me about that um so it's i i kind of grew up around the community theater um my dad was involved with a lot of shows at the Center Players in Madison Madison was you know where i did most of my growing up um and uh so I played drums for like a musical or two over there and then uh I was asked to do one by Levon Bruckner called uh, Putnam County Spelling Bee. Um this was my senior year of high school and I went over there and um I met Zach and Dylan. Um Dylan was not involved in that particular show but he was around because you know Zach and Dylan spent a lot of their time there. But Zach and I found out we were both uh going to be freshmen at Delta State and so and we we're like, well, I have a roommate assigned to me, but you know, you seem pretty cool. So like Levon was also a cultivator of that. Um so Zach and I ended up being roommates our freshman year at Delta State and um I would say that Zach was my first influencer and encourager of writing songs. I didn't really know that was something that I had in me. I I dabbled um but 
you know, it was nice to have somebody and be like, oh, there's an idea, but it's whatever, you know. And he goes, no, that's cool. And for somebody to just give you a little encouragement, which I still to this day uh, like to bounce my songs off of people. Um, but that was really that really strengthened my ability. And so we started Zach and I started a band together uh in college, it was called Dandy and the Lions, and it was like a, it was really, around that time, it was a lot of like the Avett Brothers and like Mumford and Sons, like banjos were a thing, so, <laughs> but Zach also dug into some uh, deeper bluegrass stuff that he really loved, and, uh, you know, and so we kind of did a folk a bluegrass blend, and that was that was the first time that I had songs that I had written or collaborated with Zach, um, you know, out in the open in the in the world for people to hear. So that was really where I first started writing tunes with with Zach in our freshman dorm room. And and Zach is the brother who's like the the primary singer and yes. songwriter in mm-hmm. in Young Valley. Mm-hmm. And and I, I I recall seeing him just kind of as a solo act years you know years ago as well so he's kind of been on that path so it must have been interesting to see someone your age who's just like i'm gonna write a song and here you know so you were kind of getting to see him write just germinate these things right in front of you yeah yeah it at an incredibly productive level like in a way that you know i was just he'd i'd not see him for a week and he's like yeah i got like three or four new tunes you know and i was just like how do you do that? How does that happen? Um, it's still kind of magical at yeah, that point too. Yeah, 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 it is. It was. It was still very magical to that point. Um, and, and so, yeah, I would. I would say that a lot of the things that I learned about, where he was like, you know, he he helped me uh, stay strict to a narrative, and um, you know, and, and really like hone in on what I was actually talking about in the song, as opposed to just writing words that I thought just sounded good together, you know, and, and like cutting out the, the little, the little words that can be, um, inferred and not, if that's the right word for it, you know, if for people will understand what you're saying without the little, like he, the, it's like the, the small words. Um, and so he really helped me like take these big kind of poetic and, um, and just kind of like f- fluffed up ideas and shave them down to be something that was really relatable to people on the first try. Um, and so that that I owe a lot to Zach um, for you know getting a lot of these songs down to what they are today. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. We're back on the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and our guest today is Spencer Thomas, and we're talking about his new record, Hangin' Tough. Uh, so when we, um, so you went up to Delta State, and yeah. you were doing music up there. Mm-hmm. So that um, was that part of the Delta Music Institute, or or were you more of just the straight music school? 
it was a, it was a little bit of both. Okay. Um, I started in the Delta Music Institute, and um, and at the time it, it was fairly new, and uh, and while I was a part of it, I you know I kind of uh, felt that while I was in school, I wanted to get as much musical education as I could. So after I think two years of being in the Delta Music Institute, I decided to just go ahead and go fully into the music program. And, um, and so I was a voice major there for two years. Um, and while I really enjoyed the education that I got by that two years, I was, I felt very burnout and uninspired because I spent so much time looking at music from an analytical standpoint that, you know, I was um, able to just like sit there and and name chords like to songs <laughs> as opposed to just like listen to them right. and enjoy them and um, and just kind of having let, to dissect it yeah, the whole, all the time yeah. and try to figure it out, you know, mm-hmm. right. and just letting the magic be the magic, right? And uh, and so with that time, I I didn't have a I didn't have a lot of time to write. I didn't, uh, uh, so I was very uninspired and just kind of bogged down. Um, and uh, within that last year, um, we kind of fizzled out with the Dandy and the Lions thing, and uh, and Young Valley sort of started up over the summer before my last year at Delta State, and so. I kind of felt that that was that was my calling at the time, um, and so I came back to Jackson after four years at Delta State with with no degree, and I was like, you know what, school will always be there. I can always come back to it, and uh, let's hit the road. Let's make this record. Let's hit the road. So, so you had been in the, the band with Zach before the the, the prior band, mm-hmm. and, but Young Valley was kind of a new. What was it a different? Um, was it a different approach than the previous band in terms of the songwriting and how you're presenting it? Yeah. Um, so we had the kind of folky bluegrass thing, but I mean, you know, it's it's college and uh, everybody was sort of starting to do different things. It was just starting to unfold that way. Um, and in the meantime, Zach and I were continuing to write songs that uh, maybe didn't quite fit with this, what we created with, with uh, Dandy and the Lions and our, and our college friends. Um, and so we were working on some new tunes, and, uh, and this was over the summer. Dylan came back from uh, TCU. That's where he was doing musical theater studies. And uh, Carson Bramer, who was our bass player, um, he was just in the Jackson area working, and uh, he was the bass player in Dandy and the Lions, and so we all kind of formed Young Valley with those four over the summer. And we were like, let's just... It started as playing along with Zach's, uh, like, the piles of Zach's songs that he had and you know it's it started out like that but then I had a couple tunes and Dylan had a couple tunes and Zach and I wrote a couple together and it all 
you know, quickly became a yeah. collaborative thing yeah. rather yeah. than just like a songwriter fronting a band. Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we recorded a record with Byron Knight, um, uh, who was the owner of Sneaky Beans, and you know, and then we went and went full full touring mode with that. Um, Carson left the band. We had another guy named Chris Hassler who joined playing bass. We did a lot of heavy heavy touring with them. Um, then we did another reform with uh, Ethan Frank and Kel Kellum, who live in Oxford. Kel Kellum added second electric guitar and pedal steel. We did a, a, a the self-titled Young Valley record in recorded in 2017 and released in 18, um, and did more touring with that. You know, so and that was I, w- I would say the the you know the the bigger the bigger record and the bigger push. Yeah, uh, yeah. So going out there originally, you know, a lot of people listening maybe aren't as familiar with kind of the the independent circuit they're thinking of, tour mm-hmm. buses and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So so talk about maybe the, the very push. You know, of, of course, it's it's really like basically required if you're going to make something in original music. Yeah. You can't stay in Mississippi. You have to get out on the road. Yeah. So yeah. how did you, what was the kind of the initial forays out and what were those like? I mean, it was, you know, as much as people see, you know, like, oh, well, you're playing music, you're having fun. I will tell you that 90% of being a musician is being on a computer. (laughs) How so? Well, I mean, it's just, if you want to tour, you got to book shows. Um, And so I spent a lot of time with Excel sheets and um, trying to piece together these elaborate tours that we we built and um and you know the money is mostly not there um it's definitely a a labor of love i will say very proudly that young valley is a band we never really came back in the in i mean we were always at least in the black if not sometimes a little bit in the green as far as as far as touring went um we didn't really lose a lot of money unless we had like the van broke down or something like that. Um, That's a pretty good success yeah, rate. It I was mean, a pretty, for, it was know, pretty good. To not success. lose tons of money yeah. is great. Yeah. yeah, I have to say, you know, we were we were looking after that sort of thing, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, you know, I don't want to sit here and say like and and com, you know, and go like, oh well, it's hard to make a living, you know, because like complaining, it's like I chose this life, you know, so why should I complain? Um, about those things uh but it you know it really is it's a wonderful uh adventure but it is it's difficult to create that as your primary source of income and living you yeah. know and that's um where it becomes difficult yeah we're talking with spencer thomas and uh, he's got a new record out called hanging tough it's his first uh solo frontman effort. He's mm-hmm. also worked with Young Valley for many years as the drummer and uh, co-songwriter with the uh, Lovett Brothers. Um, so thinking back of those those early, you know, the first kind of group of tours with uh, mm-hmm. with Young Valley, what mm-hmm. uh, I think it's, it's I think you have a great uh, point of reference on it that, yeah. it, you know, this is a chosen thing and, and yeah. bad things are going to happen and you're going to have, uh, you know, Things are going to go up and down, but what are some things that stand out as highlights? Either people that you got to play with, or places that you got to go, that yeah. that, that experiences that you weren't expecting. Oh well, I mean, I've been to about forty states, you know, um, 
with Young Valley and otherwise. And uh, I've, you know, we, as Young Valley, we played a couple shows with uh, Lucero. Um, and Which is a Memphis-based kind yeah, of a roots yeah. band that's yeah. very well regarded out on the circuit. Yeah, yeah. very, very compatible yeah. Um, uh, with with the Young Valley sound. Um, you know, we, I mean, we went, went as far as Boston and Seattle and L.A. And I mean, we, you know, went went all over the place with it. So I mean, I, I would say just like uh, experiences alone, the things that I uh, saw, people that I met. I mean. Um, I, you know, I, I think we were just really lucky with all of the things that we got to do, um, and places we got to see. It's really, kind of, <laughs> it's hard to pinpoint, you know. No, just so many things out there. Yeah. Well, well, tell about this. This record has kind of been a long time germinating. Mm-hmm. I think, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you've, you you've had it in mind, and and then maybe some looking at your bio, some money kind of finally came together to kind of make it, yeah. make it a re- reality. Yeah. So, so with that, um, it was during, uh, after we were, did the Young Valley record, um, I, I had like some of these songs like Downtown, which is the sixth track on the record I wrote in like 2014, you know? So it's like a lot of these Tunes have been germinating for a long, a long time. Uh, some of them are only a couple of years old, uh, and um, I. It was just sort of over time. We had tried a couple of them with with Young Valley, and it and it, and it didn't really fit. You know, I felt it um, more appropriate when I was just playing the acoustic guitar by myself or the piano. It was just something about it. Uh, it felt so personal that it was. And it and it felt like I wanted to keep it so minimal that it was like, you know, I I, I was guarding it in, in a lot of ways, and so after writing a handful more songs, I just said, you know what, I'm going to book some studio dates, and over that course of time, I just I really did not think of myself as a front man. I did not think of myself as a, as a songwriter all on my own. Um, and I've built that off of practicing and playing a lot of these songs in or, out in order to just save the money to make the record. It was almost like I built the, the image of actually like being able to play these songs solo or in, in front of a band. So just doing little solo gigs yeah, to kind of yeah. kind of take on that that responsibility to yeah, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was kind of weird how that um doing all of that sort of perpetuated the the image of like, oh, like, wait, you actually might have this in you. You yeah. just you know, didn't believe that. It's amazing what you can tell yourself. <laughs> you kind of had to put yourself in the in in the role before you actually yeah. would accept yourself at yeah. it, right? To, yeah. To kind of say, oh, it is it is possible. Right? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you know, it's like, how do you grow? You do things that scare the hell out of you. Yeah. You know, and that was it. <laughs> and so this record, you know, you you would you would most of your recording experience, I guess, had been with either Zach or both the Lovets, and uh-huh. now this is your kind of. You're the man. You're you're the one in charge in the studio for this for yeah. the first time. So how was that to be kind of like the leader, you know, um, and 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 the guy telling what was going to happen? Well, you know, it 
there were some calls that were maybe f- firm and final on my own end, but for the most part, I had the songs. I sent the demos. I had Kel Kellum, uh, who played guitar and pedal steel in Young Valley. I had him come in and play electric. Uh, Ethan Frank, who is the bass player, I had him come in and play drums uh, because he's also an excellent drummer. And Bronson, too, who was the engineer, he is an excellent bass player. Um, Ethan and Bronson are also great singers. And so I was like, I have a band between these three people. They know what I'm going for. Um, and so let's do that. And it was really uh, an effort of I was able to just kind of like let it let it go and just go whatever direction these songs head in the studio like I'm just going to let it happen. And so there were some ideas that I was kind of firm with when I started and Bronson was just like, "No, no, no, don't don't do that. It's it's going to sound like this. Let's try this. Like trust me. Trust me." You yeah. Know? And I was like, "Well, uh this is my first solo record. Bronson has been a part of hundreds of records." I'm like I I put the ball in his court, you know, and I said, "Okay." And uh, I'm so pleased with how everything really turned out, you know. Um, so it was, it, it was a really wonderful, it was a very freeing experience for me. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Welcome back to the Arts Hour. We're on our final segment. I'm Larry Morrissey, and we're talking with Spencer Thomas today. He's a Jackson-based singer-songwriter, and he's got a new, newish record out called Hangin' Tough that's come out in the last uh, few months. Um, so... With this uh, CD coming out, it came out like the middle of 2019, roughly, yeah, am I being June. right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and since then, you've kind of, um, you're kind of going some new directions in terms of uh, working as a front man and touring and then yeah. also collaborating with some other people on the road. Mm-hmm. So tell us about, um, well, let's, uh, let's start off and talk about kind of what you've been doing in terms of your, your touring and who you've been going out with and how you've been presenting the record, you know, yeah. as, a, as a solo artist. Yeah. Okay. So um, I, after releasing the record, I did um, some full band shows. I did a big one behind Sneaky Beans. Um, we did a big show down there. It was a great turnout, uh, super fun. And so I, so I did three full band shows that weekend. One at Sneaky Beans, one at Hey Joe's in Cleveland, which Delta State, you know. Yeah. So, and then uh, we did one in Oxford at Proud Larry's, and um, and then uh, Dylan Lovett and I we did a duo, uh, and he came along with me, played electric guitar and and sang, back up with me, and we did a little southeastern run, just the two of us. Um, so, I'll backtrack a little bit before the record came out. Um, I had met uh, Justin Peter Kinkelschuster, who was uh, uh, formerly of Water Liars, and um, uh, Kel is good friends with Pete, and he talked up my record, and uh, Pete was like, hey, um, will you send it to me? And I said, yeah. Um, and, you know, I've loved Water Liars. I've loved Pete as a songwriter, and yeah. I always looked up to him, and so I was like, yes, of course. And I mean, I sent it to him and uh, 
And he was leaving Jackson that night, and uh, he's like, all right, I'll listen to it. And uh, somewhere in the evening, a couple hours later, I just, like, got, a, like, ten text messages from him just in a row. And he was like, man, you know, he was like, he just talked up and down about it. And I was so pleased to hear that. Um, and so he said, hey, I have a record coming out uh, a little later than yours, and uh, I'm doing these big tours, and wouldn't it be fun if we played bass in each other's bands and had Kel and Ethan come along and have... Uh, GR, who's the bass player of Water Liars, uh, he came and played uh, keys and some electric guitar stuff. And he's like, you want to do that? Um, East Coast and West Coast? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, because it would get, my record is going to go a lot further in right. that than it would on my own. You Absolutely, know? He had yeah. somebody booking for him. Uh, uh and uh, and I said okay. And he's yeah. got the audience from the Water Liars yeah. that's gonna yeah. that's gonna connect with this pretty well. I think yeah. with your record, yeah. Yeah. So it was around that time. Um, I also, you know, Jimbo and I had always kind of been like ships passing in the night as far Jimbo as Mathis. Jimbo yeah. Mathis, Jimbo yeah. Mathis, yeah, out of uh, out of Dialback Sound, um, you know, and uh, he needed somebody to play some piano. And sing backup vocal, uh, and so I was also kind of dabbling in that, and that was when, you know, there was some strain where it was like, oh, these are some new opportunities that I really want to delve in, and you know, and it was almost kind of like, what? I'm not a piano player, but I was like, but I will be for Jimbo Mathis. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was it was around that time that that I started realizing that. Not only did I want to chase the sound that I had, but I was really pushing towards a, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to push myself in other directions. And, um, and so that's when I really started to feel some stress and some strain with, with uh, Young Valley uh, as a continuing touring band, just because, you know, I, I wanted this for myself, but I also wanted to, um, you know, maintain and not hurt the the friendships and the and the and the business and and things that we built with Young Valley. So it was a really tough, a lot of a lot of growing pains. You know, over over the course of last year, and uh, and so as I was playing with Jimbo, I had this whole time going into the fall, and and I just realized I was like, okay, I gotta I gotta hang my hat. Um, with with Young Valley, and I, I really just I really have to if I'm going to do it, I just got to go full force uh, into a new direction and uh, a growing path for me. And so there was a time from about beginning of September to uh, close to Thanksgiving that I was I was just gone. You know, I went on a tour with Pete. I Stopped the tour with Pete, immediately jumped in a van with Jimbo, came back around, jumped back in the van with Pete, oh, <laughs> went wow. back around, got back in the van with Jimbo. It was it was just I lived out of a suitcase and in somebody's smelly van. Yeah. <laughs> and But that's the life, right? It it you yeah. know, yeah. it has its downs yeah. just like the stagnancy of being at home does. Um you know, it's 
I missed my routine. I missed drinking out of the same coffee mug, you know. There are simple things like that. But, I mean, just the experience and, like, playing in front of the band and, like, doing that every night, I really established, like, oh, like, it's in there, you know. It's like the, the you know, the people like Tom Petty and Bruce Springsteen, like the people that I admire who are like up in front of holding an electric guitar and just like, you know, like standing in front of a band and having that power just because they have the guitar and they have the songs. And I went, oh, it's there. Like, I have it too. I just, it was just something that this opportunity was the thing that brought it out. So, yeah. Yeah. We're talking with Spencer Thomas on the Arts Hour today. He's got a new record out called Hanging Tough. Now, you mentioned Jimbo Mathis, who mm-hmm. people probably know from his uh, years uh, fronting the Squirrel Nut Zippers, mm-hmm. and they're back out in a new iteration. Mm-hmm. He's also had a very long solo career, and you yeah. were out helping him support his uh, last record. He was on here in June talking about that incinerator yeah. that he's still touring on. What? what t- tell me about touring with what kind of lessons you you know, Jimbo has led the life he's been out yeah. there now almost probably almost 30 years mm-hmm. uh if not longer uh touring and recording and tell me about some of the lessons that you've kind of learned being with a veteran like that in terms yeah. of presenting yourself you know being you know doing doing the thing yeah well uh, i will say um jimbo is somebody that i uh, am really inspired by we became very fast friends um he he's become such a mentor to me Um, And and not only that, he was so, every opportunity that I had to push my record uh, within touring with him, he would give it. I mean, Dark Tonight, the first track on the record, uh, you know, he'd always be like, hey, let's play that Running in the Dark Tonight. He's like, let's play that with the band. And so we would take a break from playing the Jimbo Mathis Incinerator stuff, and he would let me, he he would let me lead the song. And we would play it uh, with with that group. And, I mean, and you know, it's just like when you go tour with somebody, like you don't expect that kind of opportunity. But he really he really allowed me that space to grow. Um, and just I love the way he goes about it. I mean, you know, you sit in a van with him. There's no there's no ego. There's no. I've worked this hard to be here, you know, like there, there's no level here. Like we're all, we're all equal. And, uh, what's the, this is a saying that I try to say all the time and don't remember it, but is it like the high tides rise all ships? Or high tides lift all boats. Yeah. High, high tides lift all boats. Yeah. And that is the lesson that I think Jimbo learned a long time ago. And I'm like, that's, that's the secret. Yeah. to anything I think Jimbo too is he's it's it's um people probably don't get it because he's such his persona is so fun loving and mm-hmm. a rascal and that kind of thing mm-hmm. but when you talk to him he is when we were talking about that it's in a record he's deadly serious about this is you know this is my best you know I think my best work and I am really out here you know I'm working hard every day to push yeah. this thing he, how yeah. hard he works I guess gets lost in in this kind of you know his his stage persona, mm-hmm. which can also be very like, he, he wants people to have a good time, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I will say another, you know, another thing that I, that I learned about Jimbo is that like, he's, you know, people see him, he's like, he's Jimbo Mathis and they know. 
and I, I see him, you know, in the van, and we're 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 sitting there, and he's he's uh, playing backgammon on his phone, and you know, with cargo shorts and a tank top on, just like anybody else relaxing in the van. But uh, after we load in the gear, he disappears for a while, and out appears Jimbo with his boots and his hat and his vest, and you know, it's like it's like Clark Kent. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> coming Steps out the like, booth, yeah. su- there's Superman, you know, and I mean, and I, and I just see that and I'm like, wow, you know, like, I, and I was so, I realized I was like, there's something about not playing a part that is beside yourself, but playing an exaggerated form of who you are until those things kind of meet, you know, yeah. and I realized I'm like, this is a guy with charisma and confidence and the ability to stand out in a crowd and, and it's just and, and it's just because like his personality shines through and uh, and I have gripped and taken hold of that with all I can. Um, you know, as well as there there I'm sure many other lessons that I can that that I can spout, but those are the those are the couple that I learned is just He's always supportive, and uh, you know, and he every night he shows up as as Superman, you know, and does his does his work. Yeah. Well, we we really appreciate you coming in today. Yeah. Before we run out of time, if mm-hmm. people are interested in learning more about uh, your work, the the new CD, where where should we send them? Yeah. Um, so right now, I am taking this February time to uh, undergo some website maintenance, but it's still functioning enough for you to go to spencerthomassongs.com. Uh, there you can also find access to my social media pages. Um, if you would like to buy a record or CD, uh, there's a merch tab on the website. Um, I have a YouTube video of me playing these stripped down songs, uh, the armory sessions, uh, with my friends, uh, Tommy Kirkpatrick and Cody Gaucher, they they filmed that of me. And, uh, you know, other than that, you are more than welcome to reach out to me via email through the website. You can say hello and uh, ask any questions. Awesome. Thanks again for coming <laughs> yeah. in. I appreciate it. Thank you it. so much, Larry. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin, as always. Mm-hmm. If you've uh, tuned in late and you'd like to listen back to the show, hear the rest of it, or share it with a friend, you can go to the MPB website. It's mpbonline.org. They post all our past shows as streaming files, or you can subscribe to the Arts Hour as a podcast. Until next time, we'll be seeing you around. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, You can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org.